Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. Climbing COVID-19 vaccination rates have enabled many countries to relax social distancing requirements and business leaders begin to implement return to workplace plans. In addition to Dynamics' Ryan Hummel, I'm here with special guests Lauren Scandone and Stephanie Christmas to discuss what healthcare leaders should be considering beyond the physical safety of their employees and customers when thinking about return to work. For many, if not all of us, the past 18 months have really been unprecedented both personally and professionally. What are some of the ways that the pandemic has fundamentally changed the workplace? When we think about how the pandemic and how the last 18 months have fundamentally changed the the workplace, the key things are the increase of technology. And when I'm talking about technology, I'm talking about the fact that prior to the pandemic, 85% of employees never worked from home. Since then, we've now come into a situation where employees are working from home. And more so than that, we're finding that that work is being more productive and team members are loving the opportunity. Additionally, there's this component of choice. We now have a choice. We don't have to sit into the, in the office. We can determine work hours that work for us and are going to apply better to our well-being. And then finally, from an empathetic leader point of view, we've all been through challenging times. Through this time, everybody, we like to say at Dynamic that everybody's in the same storm, but you may not be in the same boat. And I think that the the pandemic has really required us to all take a moment to think empathetically about how other people see, what's the other side of the coin and how we can all support each other to be better workers, better team members, and better uh, performers. Those are really great points, Lauren. Most employees have gone through a very direct or indirect impact of the pandemic, whether there's people in their home, first responders, um, those who worked in grocery stores. There was also a monumental shift in how we thought about social justice and racial equity, and that impacted so many people across the world. And so when we think about the best way to lead our different teams and where they are in their well-being and where they are in their ability to do their job, we really need to have that other-centric, empathetic lens in thinking about our decision-making, balancing those individual needs against the needs of the greater team. The pandemic has almost created almost a, a refresh button where now that we're starting to come back to the office, we need to think through that refresh. So I think one of the things that comes out of all of this is why is culture so important as you're starting to think through your return to work planning? At Dynamic, we like to say that culture is like a heartbeat for us. It's it's our vitals and it's what keeps us um, very much connected to our purpose. It gives us our sense of belonging and a sense of happiness. Research shows us that teams with the highest levels of culture actually correlate directly to higher levels of business results and success. By increasing your culture and making this um, community of belonging, what you're really doing is you're tapping into what we call adaptive performance. 
And what that is, is that's the performance. That's the things that make you resilient, right? It's not just about creating a plan. It's about adapting to a plan, having that creativity to think through when roadblocks come up, how are we going to jump over those roadblocks to success? I think now more than ever, Lauren, it's really important to emphasize that adaptive part of adaptive performance, particularly given the uncertainty organizations are facing right now as they're dealing with the rise of the Delta variant spread and considering things like the effectiveness of vaccines against the Delta variant, breakthrough infections, and they're facing a lot more uncertainty as they thought that they'd be able to execute their return to work plans sooner rather than later. So that flexibility and adaptability will be so important in that planning and in how they're approaching some of those cultural factors as well. I think individual companies are in the process of making some tough decisions that they thought probably could be avoided um, earlier this summer on whether to reverse reopening plans or kind of institute, you know, mandates uh, for, for their employees to get vaccinated. But I think it should be a priority to remind ourselves that in this new world, that communication is one of the most important elements to create momentum post-pandemic. And I think that sometimes we get it, leaders do not prioritize that as well as they should. The styles and way we've communicated with each other have shifted in the pandemic. And so taking the time as you return to office with those that have maybe new to the team, that those that have learned to work in different ways, and again, thinking about the health and well-being and mental space that folks are in, finding ways to communicate in an empathetic way and the way people need to hear information is really important. It also stems back to psychological safety, right? And uh, for those firms that are getting and and working on their cultural um, journey, you know, the idea of psychological safety is a shared belief that the team is safe for interpersonal risk-taking and raising things up. And it's being able to show one's true self without the fear or, or recourse or negative consequences of their self-image, their status or career, and being willing to make a mistake. And, you know, we've done a lot of work on psychological safety in the workplace. And there's, there's several different areas, and it's been made famous by a woman named Amy Anderson. And the idea is that there's two different types of psychological safety, the idea of behavioral psychological safety and structural psychological safety. You know, behavioral are those anecdotal things where we say things like, you know, here's a mistake I made and feeling vulnerable enough to say that and, um, or, or practicing humble inquiry and saying, hey, I, I, I disagree with what you're saying and exhibiting a tolerance for error and disagreement. But I think when we talk about the return to work um, and, and psychological safety, we're talking a little bit more about the structural idea of psychological safety. And it's the idea of setting up meetings and sessions and, and kind of building infrastructure that promote open communication on this new world and using tools and having leaders modeling the way, you know, talking about empathy, modeling empathy with leadership peers and being very cognizant and self-aware of that. So, you know, I think psychological safety plays a huge role of setting the stage and moving forward um, as as we return to work or creating options to return to work. As we think about psychological safety, it's also the bedrock for thinking about equity and inclusion when you return to office. And so thinking about how you're fostering this equity when you have people in different places, when you have communities that have been impacted more heavily by the COVID virus and some of the facts you talked about, low-income workers. And so 
while it's important that folks have a choice, we want to think about how are we creating equitable systems for those that choose to continue to work virtually? How are we making sure performance management is focused on results rather than um, proximity bias? And thinking about some innovative ways to financially support um, team members, so even the playing field, possibly providing childcare options, socially distanced uh, team events, um, so that those who feel who don't feel comfortable being in person can still have the opportunities. So not only thinking about inclusion and equity, but also thinking about how we support the well-being for our different employees. And so when we think about the employees and leading with empathy, thinking about how mental health has played a role in people's return to work, um, thinking about providing adequate opportunities for every employee to be trained on different systems and norms uh, so that they can feel psychologically safe to actually provide the insight that they need to provide and create innovation and have difficult conversations that will lead to better problem solving um, and better results ultimately. I love your perspective, Steph, on how important it is to pull through that employee support and well-being in a unique way and really think about the diverse experiences that individuals have gone through throughout the course of this pandemic. I think in particular for the healthcare industry, thinking about the variety of roles within your organization and what was the experience of a frontline physician versus someone that was in the back office versus, you know, individuals like nurses. We know already that burnout has huge costs for employees and their organizations, um, almost irrespective of industry, but know it's been a problem that historically has really plagued healthcare providers and taking into context the extra tax that the pandemic has put on these frontline workers, thinking through what are some of the unique resources they might need to ultimately be more successful in the future. Before the pandemic, we were already heading down the path of healthcare workers being burnt out, whether that was home care nurses, physicians, ICUs. Um, and as the pandemic unfolded, many healthcare workers traveled to new places of work to provide, provide patient care and there's a great article and study on The Lancet um, recently around the fact that this only exacerbated the issue. So if I was a healthcare leader in hospitals and health systems in the provider setting, I'd really prioritize uh, that space on, on burnout. And, you know, it's not about bringing food carts to the healthcare workers or doing anecdotal things. It's building the infrastructure, the scheduling, the flexibility and the empathy to work with those healthcare workers because they're already known to be at risk for many things, anxiety, depression, suicide, insomnia, distress, and the pandemic only exacerbated that. Speaking of prioritization for healthcare leaders, I wonder if there are a few questions that we could bring to them to really think through when considering culture's role in their return to office planning. As leaders, uh, when we return to office, there are several key things that we need to think about when it comes to our culture, but I'd really distill it down to three key questions to ask yourself. The first question is really around understanding what the demographic makeup is of your current organization, not the organization you had pre-pandemic. 
do you have the right programs and processes in place that's going to foster a true sense of belonging for everyone, including those who may or may not have just joined? How will you support employee well-being and provide the time and space to ensure psychological safety, resilience, and trust among your team as you shift into the new normal? Finally, if I were to poll your team and your external customers tomorrow, would they understand the organizational purpose? So why your team exists, what your value and vision is. When you really think about your culture, it all starts from the organizational purpose, your vision, your values, and your guiding principles. Thank you, Steph and Lauren, for taking some time with Ryan and I to talk through this often overlooked piece of return to office planning. I'm so happy we were able to give our listeners a perspective on the core factors and the core questions they should be considering as they're approaching this really core juncture in reaching the new normal. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in the episode, to subscribe to the Trending Health podcast, and to explore if Dynamic can help your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, visit trendinghealth.com. Tune into the next episode, where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry.